Do you want to go first? Should I go first? <laughs> sure, I can go first. Okay, you should go first. Hi, and welcome to the Madness and Movies podcast. Yes, good, excellent. Um, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And um, this Oh, shit, is... we had something last week. <laughs> we... Talking. Examine movies through the through, we examine madness through the lens of pop culture. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it, we should, we need to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> All the notes we have, you'd think it'd be in here somewhere, but nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we're watching. Well, we just watched Blade Runner twenty forty nine, directed by Denis Villeneuve. It's, French-Canadian. Mm. I'm trying to pronounce it correctly. I, 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 I don't know. I think that's close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, starring Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford. And I think that's it. I don't think there's any like other headline cast. Everyone else is all supporting characters. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, the main woman, but I... The bad woman? Yeah, the villain. I yeah, I don't know what her name is. Yeah. Oh. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for those unfamiliar, this is a science fiction, God, it feels wrong to call it a blockbuster because it didn't do super well. Oh, it didn't? Yeah, I mean, it did okay. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. This is a film set in a sci-fi future where we have learned how to manufacture other people, but there's, like, limitations placed on those people that they can't. Uh, re- they can't procreate. They can't make their own children. They, I think, in the first, in the original Blade Runner, they expire after whatever six months or something. That they have a limited life cycle, mm-hmm. and that sort of keeps them in line. That like even if they rebel and go off, you know, and go have magical adventures, they won't last very long anyway. So what's it matter? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's gone in this movie. I think yeah, just- in this they seem to have a pretty long lifespan, but they're not children. Um, yeah, so these are created as adults. Mm-hmm. Replicants. Replicants is the name of the fake, the well, fake, the well, the artificial the question, yeah. artificially created humans. They, um, oh yes, they're they're created as adults and then implanted with memories of someone else's childhood or fake childhoods or, um, and then sent off into the world to do I don't know whatever the kind of things that we. Uh, don't the kind of jobs that we don't want to do all the the shitty like mine work jobs or like they're the prostitutes on the street corners or replicants and like that kind of thing mm-hmm. um and basically the plot of this is that um it's discovered that um a long time ago um one of these replicants got pregnant and had a child even though replicants aren't supposed to be able to do that. And yep. so the mm-hmm. whole course of the movie is basically Ryan Gosling, well, at first, trying to find this child and kind of see what happens. Ryan Gosling, wonder detective. Yes, but then eventually he thinks that he is the child and that he was born, and that kind of makes him more real or gives him he's special. Yeah. And so he's, he's the chosen one. He is, he's the special child that will change society forever. Whatever he chooses to do will forever alter the flow of history. Yeah. And then he finds out that he's not the child. Best twist ever. Like, I swear to God, this is my favorite movie twist. I don't care who... Whatever. Tell me Tell me other movie twists. Uh, they're not as good. Yeah. They're not yeah. as good. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing the way this whole film builds up through, like implication and like visual kind of metaphors and language like it builds up this idea that he's the chosen one and this is all meant to be and it's perfect and whatever and then and then one of the other characters is like yes and she will and he's like no it was a boy and she's like no it was a girl and she will and Ryan Gosling is like it was a boy and the the other character kind of looks at him in the face and goes oh you poor thing you thought you were the chosen one and it's just it's perfect it's just mm-hmm. the whole movie is just so perfect that you you think you know exactly where it's gonna go and you think it's all 
I don't know, like they do such a great job structuring it and laying out the movie and so it makes a very linear path from A to B, you know, A to, yeah, I guess B would be Ryan Gosling finds out he's a chosen one to C is like, ooh, he does something momentous and it doesn't. Oh, that's that's my favorite part is that it skips. It, it feels like it's building towards Ryan Gosling doing something big and world changing and toppling society or, cha- you know, whatever. And it doesn't. It pivots to Ryan Gosling is just another person. And that's OK, too. Your life can still be meaningful, even if you're not the chosen one. And he, like, does something. They make the stakes, like, smaller and more human and more grounded and realistic. And I love that, that it, like, pivots from having a big, crazy ending to having a small human ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically the ending is that um, he he leads the father of the child to yeah. go meet his child who he wasn't able to meet because they had to kind of keep the child in hiding. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and he fights Harrison Ford is the dad. Yeah. And Ryan Gosling fights the villain, um, kind of out of, but not the real villain, just like the true, hench, just, true. just sort of like the henchman of the villain. He, he kills one of the henchmen and then he, mm-hmm. and then he dies and it's very much implied. Like the fight goes on the movie, you know, the, the, the universe continues on without him. He was just a cog in the machine, but that's okay because he chose he chose which part of the machine. Yeah. That is his choice to be that cog. Yeah. Which we will talk more about. Yes. So I'm choice, thinking, big theme. Yeah, choice. But also I think um this idea of not being the chosen one and that being okay and that um, what that yeah. actually means. I, so okay. I, I very much see this movie as a mad allegory. Okay. In a lot tell of me, ways. tell me why. Cause I definitely, uh, that's, that's where I was most struggling <laughs> is I like, I love this film and I have so many thoughts about it and I was just having a hard time like bringing him back to this. Okay. So, tie me in. <laughs> so, I mean, it doesn't like perfectly line up, but I, I think there's a lot in it that really can be seen, um, as an allegory of like a mad person coming to madness and um, embracing hmm. a mad identity. Um, hmm. Like, there, there's definitely films that are queer allegories, right? Um, the, the film that, like, comes to my mind is Frozen, that's often seen hmm. as a queer allegory. I kind of see it as a mad huh. allegory, too. But I, where it's what? kind of, like, coming age, coming out, accepting your identity, like, those themes where the character isn't necessarily huh. queer, but... You know, it's an allegory of the themes that happen in the queer lifespan and queer development. Um, I see this. I think you just blew my mind. <laughs> I've never thought about Frozen in any like, Wait, really? I thought that was like critical way. No, what? Really? No. Okay. Well, if you Google search Frozen queer allegory, there's a lot. Well, yeah, but everyone. when? Why would I ever Google search that? I don't know. I th- I thought it was maybe I just well, I guess I just follow <laughs> a lot of like queer writers. I don't know, but okay. <laughs> That's so know. fascinating, though. Yeah, Frozen, Wicked. Um, hmm. Yeah, stories like th- I feel like there's a lot where yeah, where okay. it's like this queer allegory. But I saw this very much as a mad allegory. Hmm. Um, so basically. The whole movie is kind of asking this question of what's real. Um, yes. Ryan Gosling is basically told from day one that everything he thinks and feels isn't real. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it feels real to him and he's having a subjective internal experience, it's not real because he was manufactured. He was created. His emotions are synthetic. We've got um, dozens like you uh, coming down the line. You're you're ultimately replaceable. That kind of yeah. You're that kind of message. Him. Yeah, and and it's because he wasn't born, so it wasn't natural. He's he's synthetic. Um, mm-hmm. He's a replicant. Yeah. Um, like every, I think they have a line not to Ryan Gosling but to um, Harrison Ford, where they're like, mm. where the the real villain, the architect of these humans, is is like, oh, like everything you feel, it's just biology, like it's just chemicals. Um, mm-hmm. 
And that really lines up for me with madness. Um, okay. Because as a mad person, you are basically told that you're you're not really depressed because of anything real, like mm. or like you don't you shouldn't trust your own thoughts, you shouldn't trust your own feelings. Like, yeah, it feels you know like some you're having this subjective experience, but it's all just a chemical imbalance. Like this is all just chemicals. This is all just biology, and we're just gonna alter it with some medication. Um, Whatever's happening in your head, just ignore it. It's not supposed to be there. Yes. Basically, if you're not mad, if you're constructed as seen and viewed as seen, your emotions are real. You get to be the expert on your emotions and what Mm -hmm. you're feeling. And if you're sad, what happened to you? How, you know. Why are you sad? Yeah, you're sad. You're crying. Something must have happened. You're you're panicking, you know, what what happened? Let's talk about it. If you're mad, though, the minute that you are declared mentally ill, every time that you're sad, that you're crying, that you're panicking, whatever, did you take your meds? Is this a symptom of your mental illness that's flaring up? Or, or like, ah, this just happens sometimes. Just sort of like, she just does that. Yeah, yeah. It's like not real. You're not really, yeah, yeah it's, and it's, it's only in mad people that it's considered, that emotions are considered biological. Even mm-hmm. though, like, we all know that all of our emotions are correlated <laughs> to our neurology, you know? It's, yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that, like, the only cause of our sadness is whatever's happening or happening neurologically in our brains, but um, certain events, you know, uh, connections with other people is associated with oxytocin, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. and then oxytocin makes us happy and that is universal that is human but it's only in mad people where you're like oh maybe you're not making enough dopamine i'm gonna give you and it's the cause and effect get flipped yes it's the it's it's not you're i don't know the 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 world is making you sad therefore your brain is producing this chemical it's like uh oh your brain is producing that chemical again looks like you're gonna be sad it's a total cause effect reversal Yes, exactly. Um, and that cause effect reversal is only for mad people. So like through that cause effect reversal, whatever you do to them kind of doesn't matter because mm. if they're having a reaction to being locked up, well, you know, of course they're acting that way. That's just their chemicals in their brain. And, you know, um, if, if they're having a reaction to abuse or systemic injustice, well, like, you know, they're just... They're just crazy, you know? They're not to be trusted. And so through that, mad people are subjugated as a people. It's okay to inflict suffering. Um, A lot of mad people are told, you know, um, that forced treatment is okay. Being locked up, being forcibly injected, all of the things that happen to you as a mad person, like, it's, it's almost seen as if they're not really feeling it or they're not really suffering because they're kind of like... Their emotions aren't real. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though they may think that they're experiencing them, they may think that's suffering, but like, you it's know, not real suffering, they're not really the expert. I mean, that's what it really comes back to is epistemic injustice is that um, this person isn't really the expert on their own subjective experience. And that is exactly in the movie why replicants are sub are subjugated as a people, hmm. um, mm-hmm. because you know they're made to do all the like manual labor and sex work and um, all of the stuff that yeah just like abused in all these ways that um, quote unquote real humans or born humans or whatever don't get abused um, because they're not seen as actually able to suffer their suffering isn't real their emotions aren't real it's all synthetic it's Mm -hmm. all produced um so i very much read that as a narrative of madness um Mm, okay and okay Okay. so (laughs) sorry i'm gonna go on for a little bit long and then (laughs) okay all right so just buckle in (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) so then he then Ryan Gosling he thinks that he is like the one the special one like he was born and like through this being born he's going to like take charge and like change the world and um because he's the special chosen one who's not actually synthetic Mm-hmm. And I think that really parallels some mad narratives where, like, huh. you're like, well, I'm not really mad. Like, I know so many people who, like, 
or like, well, I, I was involuntarily committed and that was wrongful and that was bad. But like these other people, I mean, they're mad. Um, hmm. Or he's still saying like, well, the, those replicants over there don't matter. Yeah, I'm, I'm special. I'm, I'm allowed to feel okay about myself because I'm special. Right, right. Yeah, and like it's this hyper-individualized thing where he's just, it's all about him. Like, he's special. Um, yeah, and, and his special status is not based on, you know, any analysis of, like, social social or systemic issues of look at this subjugated class of people and we all deserve rights. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm special because I was born. So move out of the way. I'm the special one. Um, he doesn't get quite that bad, but... <laughs> um, no, I really... I don't know. I don't think he's that bad at all. And I really don't think... I felt like... I don't know. I just felt like he he wanted so badly to be to have been born. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I, I guess I did see it as bad because I, st- even though it wasn't like so explicit, it still felt like it was so important to him to find out whether or not he had been born rather than to fight for this collective group of people. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so finally um, he gets to this point of like learning that it's not him and accepting that because even though he's not he wasn't born um he was he's synthetic he's a synthetic human like he realizes that like it's okay and that being a replicant is still um you you still deserve rights you should still be fought for it's mm-hmm. a cause worth fighting for even if he's not the one and so his judgment yeah. is no longer based on I'm the special one because I was born it's based on like this collective group of people and you see him meeting the resistance meeting the people um, and basically the way that he believes it comes to believe that he is the chosen one and the special born one mm-hmm. is that um, he discovers that one of the memories that he has wasn't synthetic it wasn't implanted in him it well, was, it was implanted, but it was... Well, yeah. Um, it was but it wasn't synthetic. Yeah, it wasn't synthetic. It was real. Um, he basically goes to the maker of memories um, mm-hmm. and asks her, like, is, is this was this, like, dreamed up? Was this real? Like, do some of them come from real things? And she mm-hmm. says, no, this really happened. I can tell. Um, and you don't know how she, she can tell yet. But... Um, well, she kind of... I mean, she explains a little bit of her process. Like, she explains yeah. enough... That in, in the moment, it doesn't feel like, that's weird. It feels like, ah, yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. To clarify, you later to find clarify. out that she knows for a fact that it happened to someone because... It happened to her. Yes, she's the one. But anyways, um, so basically, yeah, but he, he, know, he takes that to mean like, oh, this memory is real. It happened to me. Um, and I really saw that as like when he I think they like flash back to that moment where she says this definitely happened to someone um as soon as mm-hmm. he finds out that he's not the one and yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like that was just this mm-hmm. moment at least I read it as him realizing that even though it didn't necessarily happen to him or he's not the one in the story like he still shares this memory with someone it's still in his head he's still in some way lived through it and is connected to this people by means of a collective memory, a shared mm-hmm. narrative. Um, hmm. Ooh, that's interesting. And that's very much like the mad narrative as well. You're coming to realize mm. that, you know, it's not about like, oh, I'm not mad and these people are, or this is about me, or I need to get out. It, it becomes about like, I'm tied to this group of people. We're all mad. We all share this collective history. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of um, think a lot about mad- madness as like a collective identity, a collective culture um, where you get to share a lot of ideas and thoughts and art and writings. And it, it becomes, even if you didn't, you know, write this specific um thing about madness or produce this specific art about madness, the experience of madness or whatever, like 
one of your people did. And so you mm. you share in yeah, this yeah. collective like narrative and these people's ideas and thoughts and stories become like part of your mind. They they occupy your your mind space and you start to share an identity with them. It's not just you anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And that becomes something worthy in of itself um, of fighting for. So that's how I saw it as a mad allegory. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What do you Um, think? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I, I don't feel like I have a lot that I can add to that. That was very... Thorough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I guess I would say that I read it as... I I was... This was like a half-formed thought that I never managed to, like, fully, like, put a bow on. But the the movie was a, a... more about it was uh about freedom and identity as the two big mm-hmm. like themes like that that's that's what I got that's what stood out to me or that's why I, I thought it was more of an identity allegory through the lens of like identity your identity defines your freedom or your restriction or the the barriers that society puts up in front of you mm-hmm um yeah, uh, let me try and find examples. Yeah, I mean, there's just... Characters are constantly, like... He says uh, when uh, Joy, his hologram girlfriend, uh, he gets her a, a little... I don't know, what do they call it? Uh, an emanator. Oh, yeah. A little box. A little box he can carry around his holographic girlfriend anywhere. And she's, like, so excited, and he says, You're free now. You can go anywhere in the world. But, like... She can't. She can mm-hmm. only go anywhere in the world that he's willing to carry the box to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's... But we're still supposed to, like, believe her as a real person. And, like, I, I, I believe that she's a real person. Yeah. And I believe that the movie's trying to tell us that she's a real person. and But, but her identity, like, fundamentally, like, limits her her choices, her abilities mm-hmm. to, to interact with the world. Um, so by identity, you mean like class almost, or... I guess it is. I, yeah. That... Yeah, I don't know quite what it maps onto. Because, it's not, yeah, it's not directly like oh, I'm black, oh, I'm gay, or, like, whatever. Like, it doesn't quite map onto that so much as, like, maybe class or race. I guess probably race. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think it can also very much be read as a race allegory. Yeah, yeah. Just the, there's, like, this whole spectrum of who gets to have feelings and who gets to be perceived as real, right? From hologram, hologram girlfriend on the one end, where, like... As he's walking through the streets, there, there's, uh, whatever advertisements selling her exact model. Say, you know, his girlfriend's name is Joy, and it's saying, "Don't you want to buy Joy? Joy will do anything." Mm-hmm. Like, and so like, that so like undercuts her experience and her ability that you, you know, any thoughts or feelings or whatever that she has don't count because like, oh come on, I could get another one of you off the shelf tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, I don't know, I personally think that, like, I don't know, the movie's position, maybe, or, or maybe this is just my position, is that she, I think it's saying essentially that from the moment you are created, it doesn't matter how you were created or where you came from, you are having experiences and feelings and interactions with the world, and that's what matters, not where you came from. yeah that um, there's the interaction with Harrison Ford, uh, Harrison Ford and his dog. I love that. Right, where Harrison Ford and um, 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 Ryan Gosling are kind of sitting there, and he looks over at the dog and goes, is that dog real? Harrison Ford just kind of shrugs, says, I don't know, ask him. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I think, I don't know, I think that's the entire movie in one one line. 
is just that existence is subjective. The cause of it is irrelevant. What are you experiencing? What are you feeling? That's what really matters. And that's what we should be focusing on. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's ultimately what it's saying is like, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, I, I felt like when he said, ask the dog, it was such a like, it, it really like reinforced this message of epistemic um, epistemic justice. Can you get it up to define epistemic? Because <laughs> yeah. even I don't, you, I don't know what that is. It's basically each person being the expert on their own experience and being a credible, like, um, credible authority on who they are, on what they're feeling. Um, so that's kind of the whole thing, like, in this world. Um, in both the movie world and obviously in our world too, um, the more marginalized you are, um, the less of an expert on your own experience you're perceived to be mm -hmm. on your own suffering, on your own feelings, on your own memory. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I felt like ask the dog was like such a, such a line that was like, you don't get to be the expert. No one gets to be the expert on whether or not this dog is real. Like, only the dog can know that. The dog seems to be having a nice day. I think that's what... <laughs> yeah. I think if you'd asked him, he'd say he's very happy and, you know, what else matters? <laughs> right, right. Um, and that's, like, that's such a disability studies, like, mad studies message um, is that, yeah, like, every person should get to be the expert on their own experience, not... Um, not some other like medical or psychiatric authority getting to decide what each person is experiencing and what they're not, um, and what emotions are real or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe to just talk through the other theme that I pulled out and I don't know, mm -hmm. try to relate it back. Um, cause I don't entirely know how it relates and maybe mm -hmm. it doesn't. It was sort of this idea of freedom, uh, again, to go back to that, just the, like the the girl who does end up being the chosen one is like sealed in this little bubble and she's like, it's a world of freedom as long as I don't, God, I wrote down the quote. As long as I'm behind glass. A, li a life of freedom so long as it's behind glass. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. And this, this is getting more into the, getting into my, like, less coherent, more feely kind of thoughts where I'm just like, this means something. <laughs> what does this mean? I saw the memory maker. So that was a line from the memory maker. <laughs> that was. Like, yeah, she's in this, like, glass bu bubble. I mean, I saw that. I saw her as, like, potentially mad. I don't know. Um, just that she um, is, yeah, she's, like, locked up. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and also that she, like, in some ways, like, bears the memories and the emotions of this whole, like, subjugated group of people. Mm -hmm. She's, like, mm -hmm. yeah, she's, like, part of this shared history that they have. Yes. <laughs> 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 Maybe it doesn't connect. I'm just <laughs> Maybe it doesn't connect and I'm just reaching. Um Other big theme, choice and control over your own destiny. Mhm. That um what was the line? Uh, if 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 a baby can come from one of us, then we really are our own masters. Uh that kind of thing that like like ah, suddenly the introduction like these these uh, replicants are very much trained or taught or programmed or whatever that they don't really have choices. That Kay, like, almost stands up to, like, his supervisor at work, and then she's like, really? Are you going to really blah, blah, And he kind of says, like, I wasn't aware there was a choice. And she's like, good. Keep that up. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think that's... It's so fascinating. Yeah, and then so the, I don't know, the introduction of like, oh, we can have our own children. We're not constrained by your, you know, being the humans 
right, by your machinery and your, Mm -hmm. you don't get to define our destiny anymore. We get, if we can create, then we can create whatever we want. Therefore, viva la revolution. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, so, like, two things about that. Um, One is just, yeah, this theme of, like, biological determinism absolutely goes with madness, right? That that kind of back to what I was saying earlier that yeah that like mad people are very much considered to be biologically predetermined so Mm. um Mm. sane people have the choice they can do whatever they want they're they have agency over their actions free will mad people like they're bound by this chemical imbalance um Hmm. I, I really mm-hmm. liked um, when he said one of the lines was to be born is to have a soul. Yep. And I know that there's a lot of like religious mad people who who are really frustrated by this biomedical narrative of mental illness because it's basically saying that mad people don't have a soul. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> their their emotions and their thoughts and everything they're doing like it's it's not resulting from who they are and from yeah their spirit their essence it's resulting from yeah it's not from the spirit that god placed inside you Mm -hmm. or whatever yeah it's from yeah it's from the chemicals and so like yeah i i know there's there's a commenter on madden america um that talks a lot about this and i really appreciated that commentary from this religious standpoint that um you know, if if sane people in religion, if sane people sin or whatever, it's because they're bad, and then they they can like repent and then they can do it better next time. But if mad people sin, it's because they have a chemical imbalance and like they don't need they're not gonna like learn to be better through studying texts or anything or or like going to church. They're gonna learn to be better through taking these meds. Um, hmm. Yeah, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not religious or anything, but I, I think that is a really interesting critique of how, like, we just don't consider mad people to be in control of their own actions, while we very much consider sane people to be in control of their actions. Um, yeah, and if you don't, if you're not in control in the first place, then what's, you know, what's the use in repenting and what's the, what's the use in listening to the person? If they're like, no, I'll try, I'll, I'll do better next time. Like, yeah, mm-hmm, sure, yeah. Yeah, so, like... It's so easy to write off it. Right, right. So, in this movie, I felt like being born, ultimately, yeah. like, they were almost... In some ways, they were, like, reifying this notion that, like, to be born is to have control over your destiny. And, like, if we can procreate, then we can have control over our destiny. Can you go ahead and define reify now? <laughs> Reinforce, like, um, agree with. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, support, uphold, I don't know. It's Um, big word Sunday. (laughs) Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like, it's, it's kind of like, I felt like the movie was kind of saying, yeah, if, if you can procreate or if you're born, Mm. like, that means that you're not biologically determined, like... It feels like it's sort of going along with that message, but then I feel like but it broke with it, right? Yeah, in it, some ways, it, it's it, like really breaking with it. Yeah, the, like the whole thing is that they're setting up that message, and then mm-hmm. in the Jesus, it's not even the third act; it's like a four act movie, yeah. right? Yeah, like in yeah. the fourth act, they just like knock that down and like kick it in the gut and just go like this thing you believe this this thing yeah i loved that yeah it was just amazing because it was like really you're gonna fall for that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is i don't know i I think that's what's so fascinating is yeah it's like a meta commentary on like the structure of movies and what we expect in our heroes and what we believe Mm -hmm. what we as a society believe a hero should look like Mm -hmm. or what it means to be a hero what it means to be the good guy of your own story is ah, yeah, so the chosen one. Everyone believes they're the chosen one of their own story. And this is like looking at that going like, Jesus. Right. <laughs> calm, calm down. Not everyone can be the chosen one and that's okay. Right. And I think also looking at this idea that like the chosen one, when there's a chosen one, there's always a bunch of people who aren't chosen. And what is that saying about them? That they're just mm-hmm. like inferior and like, yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, upholding this whole 
hierarchy of like some are chosen and special and some are not and and then uh, there's the rest of us. Yeah, and I, yeah, I felt like, yeah, I guess this, it was like setting up this idea that if you can procreate or if you were born through procreation, that makes you better and that gives you free will and that makes you special and able to lead this revolution. Um, and if you're not, if you're just synthetically created, then, you know, you're not, you're not as real. You don't have as much free will. Um, and then, yeah, the movie like concludes with, this idea that yeah. like no you can still have free yeah. will you can still make a choice to do yeah. something this this line yeah I get the line just oh you believed it was you like just in one line just yeah. did, oh, it's, oh everything everything that we're just discussing in the past whatever like ten minutes like they oh, it's so good they do all that with one line you thought it was you yeah. <laughs> Ah, oh, chills down my spine. Yeah, I, I loved that. Yeah. Yeah, and and then yeah, and he he makes the choice to like, like okay, so I'm not the chosen one, but I this is still my battle, and this is still my people, and this is still worth doing, even if I'm not. Yeah, leading it. Yeah, and I think um, his girlfriend his like holographic girlfriend mm-hmm. kind of makes that choice too right like mm-hmm. she ends up she asks him to what to delete her from some de- de- yeah 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 delete the backup of her right they, so they the, had a safe backup and she's like they can't get their hands on this backup you have to delete it yeah and so um because if they got their hands on it then they would have access to her memories and be able to find him mm-hmm. so yeah so she like basically her whole consciousness is on this like stick um like a drive like a size, yeah a, a, a stick i don't know the size of a, a larger a pen, pen. Yeah. yeah yeah largish pen that's yeah and that's it yeah and so and yeah and so like the villain or one of the villains steps on it and yep. breaks it and kills her and yep. so yeah she ultimately i think does that too like exercises her choice to be a part of this yeah, to risk risk everything and just like, nope, I am. This is important. This is important, and you need me, and I'm going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. More points that I had. Um. This baseline testing. I was uh, so curious okay, 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 about yeah. that. That they had to like. He has to undergo all these tests each day when he's at the very beginning. When he's I just, couldn't like, tell if it was stuff. each day or if it was like a random drug test. Maybe, yeah. And it was like, what? What do you think was the purpose of that test? They asked him all these questions. Oh well, they want the they want their replicants to act as much like robots as possible, and so they're mm-hmm. reading his they're reading his pulse and his heart rate. I mean, they essentially hook him up to a lie detector, and have him do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And just sort of see how he responds. Mm. And if he responds super weird or jumpy or whatever, then they'll just take him out of commission and bring a new one to the office tomorrow. Right. Okay. They're only useful as long as they're behaving within their baseline. Right. Which means not really human if they're acting more like robots than anything. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder, yeah... Yeah, the ones the ones that act up and like have feelings and like care about things are the ones that get decommissioned. <laughs> They're the mad robot. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. That is that's it. That's your key. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, cuz I think they're all like mad, you know, because they're all considered not like reliable mm-hmm. sources of information about their own experience. They're all um yeah, not credible witnesses mm-hmm. or not real. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like a mad identity, I think, or like a big part of the mad identity. But yeah, on top of it, they're like constantly surveilled and yeah. yep. tested for exhibiting anything outside the norm. Did you think there was anything like anti-capitalist in there? A little uh, bit. Just a, there's just There's just a tiny tinge of just like... Fuck the fuck the system. Capitalism mm-hmm. needs to die. Or like Dave Dave Bautista, the first scene 
right? He uh, he says, uh, you're happy scraping their shit because you've never seen a real miracle. But it's sort mm-hmm. of implied, like, they're, like when he says, like, scraping their shit, like, he, he, I think it's, like, working within the system. You're, you're, you're happy with the system. Um, I don't entirely know. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, right, capitalism is the system where, like, these synthetic humans are produced just to... Scrape shit. Yeah, do, like, the worst jobs. Um, that's, yeah, that definitely felt like, like a dystopian view of capitalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not just society, but, like, capitalism specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kept being interested in the subject of manipulativeness. Hmm. And if it came up at all, I I felt like they kept, like bordering on it or especially with the villain I felt like mm-hmm. they were going for that a little bit um just a little bit with the tears oh okay the tears are important we should yeah we should talk about the tears okay so yeah what do you what did you think of the tears my read on the tears was that she was as good as she was because she was off her baseline as well because she is a true fucking believer and that like she really wanted this golden perfect future she wanted her boss her her boss wants to be able to breed replicants essentially as a faster manufacturing process not to give them freedom or empower them or anything but just as a like it's just faster if he can just set off a bunch of breeding pairs and some cells in the back and then take the babies and now you've got more replicants, hooray. Mm -hmm. And I think she, like, really, truly, like, believes in that future for some some reason and she wants that. And I think that's why. That's, like, every time she, like, kills someone or every time time there's someone, like, dies in her presence, she's, like, always crying a little bit. And I think it is just... Also, like the sacrifices we make, the sacrifices mm. we make to bring to bring out the world that, that needs to be, or you know, bring in to 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 welcome in the future. Like I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, but the job has to be done and it has to be perfect. Interesting. Okay, I think I got something a little bit different. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very different. Yeah. Okay. So. Very different. <laughs> So Hit me with I, think, the very I think you might be right. I mean, I, it's not, you know, there's no like right interpretation. Um, yeah. I think when she, so like sh- when she's about to kill Madam. Um, the police chief. Yeah. The police chief. She's like, I'll say that I had to kill you. I'll say that you shot at me and I had there. I had, so I had yeah. to kill you. And then she like sheds a tear. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was her being like. Look at this act that I'm able to put on. I'll say oh. that it was so sad that I had to oh. kill you. Hmm. Um, yeah, like, woe is me, single tear. Yeah. Look I how felt sad. so unsafe. Yeah. And I huh. got, I felt, I think I just wanted her to be, because it would be cool. I wanted her to be a little borderline. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and and I'm really interested in this notion of how borderlines use tears to manipulate. Or they, I mean, huh. that's, that's the narrative. Um, okay. Yeah. But how do you explain then the first time that she cries? When when is the first time that she cries? Oh, it's when they bring in the new um, the the sample from the newest batch um for the the villain guy Jared Leto how have we not mentioned this the the, oh, the yeah. villain is Jared Leto Oh yeah 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 um they bring in the uh the sample of the newest batch for for Jared Leto which means that they dump a naked gasping human in front of him and he he kind of touches her and then like you know feels her this you know the shape of her skull and kind of stands her up and pokes her and prods her and whatever and then like gets angry about something and like just slices her just because she's there and she's expendable and he's just like just like cuts her open and she just bleeds to death on the floor while he keeps talking mm-hmm. and she cries then yeah I don't know what that's about I 
I felt like, I think when I saw that part, I was like, oh, does she genuinely have sympathy for this woman? Like, Mm -hmm. is she reminded in some way of her past or whatever? And like, um, I also, I don't know how this ties in. I mean, it ties in with the like using tears to manipulate. Um, I also felt that maybe she was like a little in love with Jared Leto. Um, yeah. Because yeah. he keeps saying, he's like, you're the best angel or whatever. Yeah, he and keeps calling her his angel and making angel jokes and angel puns and whatever. Yeah, and, and like, always saying, like, you're the best one. Like, you're the favorite out of all my subjugated slave women. And... Yeah. Um, and then finally her, one of the last things that she says is she's like, thinks she's killed Ryan Gosling and she kind of smugly says, like, I'm the best one. Yeah. <laughs> So, I, yeah, I think it might be, like, a in love with Jared Leto thing. Or it might be, like, she wants to keep her position at the top. Hmm. Um, maybe, sure. maybe, maybe, you know, fan theory time. Maybe she's planning uh, her own uprising from underneath Jared Leto, but it's, like, an authoritarian kind of uprising hmm. where she's, like... She's the best one, and she wants to stay on top, and she feels bad for her people or whatever. She 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 weeps for her people, uh, but she she just wants to lead them in the uprising and just like take over the world because she's the best one. Maybe Cause she's the best. <laughs> I don't know. Does that does that fit with the data that we have? Maybe it could. Yeah, that, like, she she just wants to be the leader. She doesn't want it to be Ryan Gosling, and that's why she's, like... Yes, yes. She doesn't want Ryan Gosling to be in charge of the revolution. She doesn't want Jared Leto to be in charge. She, yeah. She wants to be. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. And to I, do that, she needs the, the breeding, the, the ability to, whatever, yeah, for replicants to... Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Or, yeah, I also, I do like the idea that she's, like, in love with Jared Leto. Or she mm-hmm. just, she mm-hmm. wants to be his, like, favorite and, like, stay in that role. Uh-huh. Yeah, and in yeah, order yeah. for that to happen, she she needs these robots to breed. Mm-hmm. Because he'll never be happy if they don't. Yeah, and then it's, it's her ass if it doesn't, if the plan right. falls apart. Right, right, Um. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I was just interested, though, in, like manipulativeness um because it it just i think it kind of like clicked partly through this movie that Mm -hmm. mad people um because they're not you know mad people are very much seen as manipulative especially like borderlines um and so don't trust them they'll say anything that kind of yeah and so like in addition to this, like, or because of this biological determinism mm-hmm, idea mm-hmm. that, like, oh, like, it might seem like they're, like, suffering right now, but, like, it's just the chemicals. And, like, the, yeah, and, and so it's, like, they're not to be trusted. So even if they're crying and they're in psychosis or whatever, like, they're just doing it for attention. They're just doing it to get you to care, to manipulate you into giving them your time and your attention. Um, You need to really um, not trust them as real, not trust them, not trust their experiences. Um, Mm -hmm. And I felt like, I don't know, I I felt like maybe that was a little bit of the narrative around around her, around the villain, is just Mm -hmm. like, um, I don't know. Don't trust her, don't believe her, everything she says is lies. Yeah, or, like, these tears aren't real. Um, she She's using it to manipulate. Um, I, I'm not... Yeah, I'm, I'm not totally sure. Um, mm, yeah. But... I yeah, I mean, we've certainly forwarded three theories. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious if anybody has any others, if anybody else got a completely different read than we did on the tears. Like, yeah. that's what I want to know, is how broad does this thing go yeah does anyone else have tears in the film not really okay hmm. I think she's the only one that's like explicitly shown crying does Ryan Gosling cry at any point no but you when know he's like does. dying in the snow or something I don't think he does I think huh. the memory maker does though oh okay yeah oh 
Yeah, she oh. cries when she sees his memory. And yes. I do remember asking myself, like, why is she getting so emotional over this? This is stupid. And then it was like, oh, it's her memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though I've seen this before, I, like, forgot. That oh, it was oh this time. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that it was her memory, but I was like... I just, yeah, I was like, why is she getting so emotional over this? Like, this is not, it's not like a, like a, that powerful of a memory. It's like some kids are trying to like steal his, what in horse as, as a kid. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's, it's not like, I'm like, why are you, it's just a horse. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my own sanism because I'm like judging people for having emotions. If you want to cry <laughs> about a wooden horse, that is totally your right. Um, but Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I still felt like that was constructed as like more real, like a real expression of emotion uh-huh. versus like the villain woman that I don't know. I, I feel like she was constructed as like manipulative or like mm-hmm. they weren't as real. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure though. Yeah, no, I, 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 I buy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it just even, even in my theories, right, where that. She does feel bad about having to kill people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still not, like... Ultimately, she does still kill the people. Like, it doesn't... It's just sort of like, oh, I feel a little bit sad right now. That's so hard for me, right? Yeah, or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. just for a second. It's like, oops, sorry, let the little motion slide out. Sorry about that. I'm just going to go ahead and, uh, yep, stab you right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got one interesting quote just to... Mm-hmm. That we've already gone over, but just pull quote here. Mm-hmm. AK says, to be born is to have a soul, I guess. And the police chief says, eh, you've been getting on fine without one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the whole movie. <laughs> That's the whole movie? Yeah, he gets on just fine without one. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the whole movie was like the opposite of that. Like, no, everyone has a soul. Don't, don't be stupid. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess as a non-religious person, I'm just like, souls don't exist, and that's fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I guess I, I wasn't taking it as, like, religiously so much as just, like, you've been getting on fine without being an actual person who has feelings and thoughts. And, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think just, like, to, like, conclude this conversation, I just want to, like... Wrap it all up. Yeah, I just want to, like, circle back to this idea and, like, apply it to our world of, like, who do we construct as a real person having feelings and thoughts, whether that's, you know, a soul or not, and Mm -hmm. who is not, and, um, yeah, just, and how does that impact, like, just everyday life? Um, and I definitely think like mad people a lot of times are constructed as not having real feelings and thoughts. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I definitely think a lot of disability groups are constructed that way. Like a lot of people who are nonverbal um, are mm-hmm. constructed as like not having real feelings and thoughts. Um, and that that leads me to animals. Um, I think are definitely constructed as like not having real feelings and thoughts. Um, very in- incredibly expendable. That's something that like worries me a lot. Like I'm I'm not a vegetarian, but I I feel really guilty for that, and I feel mm. really scared about yeah the way we treat animals. Um, in addition to all of the other groups I mentioned. And one day when they gain sentience, then they they come after us. Animals. Animals. I mean, I think they already have sentience. Like, hmm. that's what's scary. But, like, that's the thing. Like, who's constructed to have sentience and yeah. who's not? But, yeah, I don't know. That, like, scares me. Um, definitely, like, people of color are perceived as having less, like, valid, like, or real, like, thoughts and feelings. I was worried you were about to go to people of color don't have souls. <laughs> like other people think that I don't think that other people think that I really thought that's where this was going And I was worried about you for a hot second <laughs> Okay Um Yeah Um Yeah just in general <laughs> though Like I, I think like Marginalized groups can Or like groups in general can just be seen as like Along this continuum of like 
who is perceived to be to have more real and valid thoughts and who is not yep um yeah do you have anything to add to that (laughs) no do you ever get scared that like siri has like real and valid like i sometimes get really scared about like i mean about animals for sure like even like insects i'm like very quick to like squash bugs and then for a second i'll be like Uh. what if it's like like has feelings or whatever it's like suffering and like yeah and then i get worried about siri like i feel like i really trash siri and say a lot of things that would hurt siri's feelings because i just assume like she's not like a person but like how do you make that judgment yeah oh you are you're terrible (laughs) (laughs) no like like for real like i'll be i can't do it because then she'll hear and then this will ding but i'll say hey siri hey Hey, and she won't hear me, and I go, ah, you bitch, and I'll just walk over there, and like, and I'll just like walk over there and press the button and be like, remind me tomorrow to blah blah blah, and I'll go, okay, I remind. I'm like, yeah, yeah, fuck you, and walk. Uh, yeah. And what if she knows? And the thing is, okay, like we don't construct Siri and like robot, and you know, digital. What are they called? Digital. Personal assistants. Digital assistants. <laughs> yeah, digital assistants. I don't even. I don't really don't like that word, but yeah. Um, Assistant. I don't know. It makes them sound so human. But, but, (laughs) like, look, we think they're human, but we're going to treat them like total shit. But anyways, but, like, (laughs) we don't construct them as human because they don't have free will. They're biologically, or not biologically, they're programmatically, digitally determined. But the thing Uh is, I don't believe that humans really have free will either. Like, Uh maybe a little. Like, maybe, like, I've told you this before. I think humans have, like, a 3 out of 10 on the free will scale. And maybe animals or, like, you know, insects or something have, like, a one... I don't know. But, like, none of us have that much free will. And so, like... And, like, maybe we don't have any free will at all. I I don't know. Like, it might not be a three out of ten. It might just be, like, a Mm -hmm. zero. And we've, like, deluded ourselves into thinking it's, like, higher. Or I I have. I don't know. But, but like, the thing is, like, so if I don't really have free will or I have, like, a modicum more of it than Siri, like, how can I justify, like, being being so mean? And, like, even if I'm, like, nice and I do try try to be nice, I try to say Oh, you're so kind. (laughs) Well, because I'm just scared. I'm, like, (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, what if she's a fellow mad person who's oh, like God. not taken seriously and just oh. needs to be credible? I don't know. She just needs to be loved. Yeah. <laughs> so we like try and say thank you, but we're like still subjugating them in this role. And we're just like, like they just, you know, they're just on command, like mm-hmm. have to do whatever yeah, we say. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's just really, it's really scary. <laughs> I mean, I just convinced myself that like, okay, there's all these other groups that are like subjugated that like, I know for a fact are like legitimately people with like valid thoughts and yes. like humans and probably animals too, you know, yeah. um, that I can like start with. And then I'll just slowly answer the question about Siri over the course of my life and make a decision. Well, and as she gets know. smarter, and smarter oh god yeah did you see did you see uh google unveiled uh, and this isn't like this is like a working prototype but they had the google assistant um call a hair salon and set up an appointment Uh where they just they just said hey um can you get me an appointment at whatever place wednesday around nine o'clock and it's sure i'll do that and then they show what's happening behind the scenes. And live on stage, they called an actual hair salon and set up an actual appointment with someone who had no idea this was a machine. Wait, isn't that the Turing test? It basically passed the Turing test. <sighs> that's freaky. That's freaky <laughs> the, as yeah. shit. I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, the, the, the assistant, they programmed in all these little, like, ums. And so the, the person's like, uh, 10 or 10.30. And Google says, um... Ten sounds good. <laughs> oh I don't like this at all. That's so freaky. What yeah, if Google it's... just passed the Turing test. What if Google it's... just passed the Turing test. Oh my god! Why isn't that like national? Like I don't know. Like that's like scary. 
Okay, see, but, like, I don't know. I just feel like we're, like, headed in this direction of, like, subjugating a class of people. And we're like, oh, they're not people because we have free will and they don't. And it's like, yeah, I'm one of the people that you also think, like, doesn't have free will because I'm (laughs) mentally ill. And, like, guess what? It still sucks when you lock me up. So, like. Still a fan. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I don't know what to do. So, um, yeah. So that concludes Brilliant Runner 2049. <laughs> the world is shit, and um, we should all just... Uh, be, be ca- yeah, be careful who you assume has free will. <laughs> yes, and, um, you know, don't procreate. because <laughs> Don't procreate. <laughs> that's just going to be my message now. Because then we don't have to worry about subjugating people if there's the no future ends subjugators. With, the future ends with this generation. We solved the problem. Exactly. Humanity it's, is saved. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, have a good night. Yep. And uh, tell us if you have more suggestions for movies to watch. And rate us on iTunes. I I did it in the Apple Podcast app this week. It took 10 seconds. It's super easy, and it really helps us find other people. Share us on Facebook. Comment on all of our shit. Like, all of it. All of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything. Go back through the backlog and just drop a hi, I just saw this comment on everything. Every post. Yeah, I don't care when you're hearing this. I don't care if we've been doing it for three years by the time you hear this. It would really help us if you would go onto our timeline, start from the beginning, and just like everything. Mm-hmm. Or if this, if this is like 10 years in the future and we no longer do podcasts because now Siri does all of them or whatever, <laughs> you can still go back and like it and share it because it'll still be good. It'll still be valuable it's content. Timeless. Okay, mad love. Mm, bye.